In the Gospel according to Matthew, chapter 7, let us turn our attentions once again to verse 15. Matthew chapter 7, verse 15 through 20, you will find these words. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Even so, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Therefore, by their fruits, you will know them. Amen. And I want to speak with you once again from the thought, wolves in sheep's clothing, part three. Wolves in sheep's clothing, part three. In our first couple of explorations into this particular text, we dealt with the issue of the wolf pack, of the society of wolves that have the alpha, the beta, the rank and file, and the omega wolves. Having the lead wolf, the alpha wolf, and the second in command, the beta wolf, and then all of the rank and file members. We also realized that because the wolf society is a society of packs. When you find one wolf, there's some more wolves in close proximity. So we, we go back and we build a context around this passage because we realize that we are nestled in the book of Matthew or the gospel according to Matthew, realizing that Matthew is writing this gospel to portray Jesus as king, and we're in the last stages of the manifesto of the king. Wow. We have come to the point to where we're in that final stretch. Jesus has made the plea for us to ask him to come into the kingdom. Ask and it shall be given. Seek and ye shall find. Knock and the door will be open. And Jesus says, I am the door. He goes on to allow us to realize that when you enter this door, you are changed. The Bible says in another place, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. We ourselves at one time or another have been wolves, but we may not have been in sheep's clothing. But because of the grace and mercy of God, he has 
transformed us. He has converted us. He has made us new. And that new creature, we are now sheep. We are the sheep of his pasture. And so as we begin to understand where we are in our relationship to him and the world, we find that now we as sheep are delicacies to wolves. Wolves don't just want to play with the sheep, but they want to devour them. The greatest wolf of them all is Satan himself, who comes to, seeks to steal, kill, and destroy. He's not here to play games. He's here to, as a murderer. Amen. But he's so deceptive, Sister Williams. The Bible says in the third chapter of Genesis that he's more cunning than any other beast of the field. He's so deceptive that in another place, I believe 2 Corinthians, it talks about ministers of darkness masquerading as ministers of light. That comes to the place where we remember that when we are looking for these false prophets, amen, when we are looking for that alpha wolf, the first place to look is in the pulpit. The first place to look is at the pastor and at the leaders, at the preachers, and to look at their fruit. What kind of tree is the pastor? What kind of tree is the leaders? Are they bearing good fruit? Are they bearing bad fruit? Because Satan is so cunning and he's so shrewd that he wants to use leverage in whatever he does. If he can get the leaders of a congregation, then he can sway the congregation the way he wants them to go. Satan is looking for to get in that place to where he can can leverage. Instead of using a pair of pliers, he wants to use some vice grips. Amen. Instead of using, hey, some scissors to cut, maybe he wants to use some major shears because he is an opponent of leverage. But remember that when you have identified a wolf, usually the alpha wolves find them place, their place in leadership, amen, in the pastorate, in the, the ministerial leadership of a church. Don't forget that the wolf society runs in packs. That that alpha wolf is not going to be there all by himself or herself. There are going to be others that are on team wolf. And they're going to be distributed with inside of the congregation. Paul cried when he talked with Ephesus that when he would leave them that there would be those wolves who would come into their congregation. And some of them would rise right out of their own ranks. Amen. This is a serious issue, amen. But every born-again believer needs to be able to put on the type of glasses necessary to then look and to be aware of whether or not you've got wolves in sheep's clothing within your congregation. Amen. When we look at our text, In verse 16, he says, do men gather grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? The whole idea there is that 
Continually, they don't. But they can be planted for a moment. You can plant some grapes in the thorn bushes or some figs in the thistles. But once you reap that first harvest, it will not replenish itself. Because grapes don't come from thorn bushes. Figs don't come from thistles. So it reminds us to not just look at what a false prophet may do when speaking a word properly the first time, but you must continue to observe the things that that prophet is saying. Amen. You must be like the Bereans. Every time I stand to preach the gospel, amen, you, church, should be looking at your Bibles and saying, are those things what Reverend Butler is saying, are they true? I know he preached a good sermon last week, but what about this week and the week after and the week after? See, sometimes we can be lulled into the, a false sense of security. But as your leader for a time today, I want you to know that I've come by to tell you that you need to continually look to the word and make sure the things that the prophet is saying are true. Paul commended the Bereans in that, that every time he preached a message, that they were searching the scriptures daily to see whether those things which he said were true. Brother Cockshell, they kept looking and they said, is this what the word of God is really saying? We must be like those Bereans today because we live in a false world. We live in a world of deception. We live in a world of folks who are seeking their own and not the goodwill of others. There are folks who, who get in pulpits every week, amen, because it's a job. Because it's a way to make money. Because it's a way to influence people for their own good and not for the good of others. Amen? Amen. That folk every day that are speaking words of peace when judgment's on the way. But they want you to believe that everything's all right. You can keep doing whatever you want to do. And it's all right because God will forgive you. Yes, God is a forgiving God, but if you have not humbled yourself in the sight of the Lord and asked the Lord to forgive you, then forgiveness is not there for you. Amen. You can keep doing whatever you want to do, not turning to the Lord, not repenting. Amen. You got another thing coming because when you close your eyes without repentance to the Lord, amen, you may raise up your eyes just like the rich man Devies did. In his bed in hell. And you be crying out the same word saying, if somebody would just dip their finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in the land. But false prophets will tell you, go ahead, do what you want to do, have fun, do whatever, you got plenty of time. You can live however you want to live and it's all right. Because all they're concerned with is filling their pockets, amen? And if they believe telling you that lie will get it, then they will do it, amen? Wolves in sheep's clothing. But in reality, they are destroyers. In reality, they don't care nothing about you. They only care about themselves. So we look at our text, continue to watch the preacher, watch the teacher, 
Look at your word and make sure what the teacher is teaching you lines up with scripture. When you're at home on the weekends and during the week and you're watching televangelists on TBN and Daystar and the Word Network, you better look at your Bibles. Man, these folks said everything on that. Some of them are good and some of them are not. But you must learn how to discriminate. You must learn how to look at your word and then tell whether those things they are saying is true. Because before you know it, they have led you down a path and you gone left and God's gone right. Lord said, I'm a gentleman, but if you forsake me, then I'll forsake you. We got to get diligent about our study. We got to get diligent because there are false prophets everywhere. And guess what? Because Satan is the prince of this world, false prophets get a lot of money. Sometimes we equate true ministry with numbers. But I tell you, there's better ministry in smaller numbers than there are in great in some cases. Not saying every big ministry is wrong because there's some wonderful ministries that have 10, 11, 12,000 people or more. But there are others that there are throngs of people coming to get their ears itched. They're itching their ears scratched. Amen. Because it's what they want to hear. They don't want to deal with the issue of sin. They don't want to deal with righteousness and holiness. They just want to hear that you got your best life now. Well, I don't know about you, but I hope this is not my best life now. I hope the best that I can get here is not my best life. Because the Bible teaches me that that I got a new home. Over in glory. And it's mine, mine, mine. I I like the fact that I'm a pilgrim going through a barren land. I like the fact that that I'm born of a woman and the life is short. Amen. Because this world is still full of trouble. Even the riches of those who live in this world with all their riches and all their power, amen, still have to look over their shoulders. But I heard in the word that when I get to the place where my true riches are, that these will not break in and steal. That moth will not destroy or rust will corrupt. I'm looking toward that place. Amen. I'm not trying to put down my roots in this place because this place is a barren land. And I heard Peter say that there's coming a fire one day and that fire is going to burn up everything in the elements. So I want my place to be in a place and I want my resources to be in a place of safety. And I know that there's safety in the arms of Jesus. I want to be in that place where in the presence of the Lord is the fullness of joy. And at his right hand is pleasures forevermore. Praise his holy name. When we look at our text today, verse 17 says, Even so every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. A false prophet can be no other than what he is. Even though the wolf 
is in sheep's clothing, he's still a wolf. Sometimes we believe in our lives that we can rehabilitate a wolf. Sometimes we see some things that are, that are sideways and, and off and we think we can rehabilitate wolves, but you know what? Wolves can only be what they are. If the tree is growing and it's not bearing good fruit, amen, if the fruit is bad, the Bible says here every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. No rehabilitation now. A wolf is a wolf. Say, well, you know, I, I know he's teaching bad doctrine, but I, 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 I think he's going to be all right. Amen. I wouldn't, I wouldn't put that, I wouldn't stake your life on that. Amen. To be aware that you've got a false prophet, amen. But then, when you have a false prophet, he's not just a false prophet in word, but also deed. On last week, we looked at the flesh, and we looked at the works of the flesh, which I call bad fruit. But let's take a moment just to look at some of what would be the good fruits. In Galatians chapter 5, verse 22, the Bible says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such, there is no law. When you have false prophets and false believers in the rank and file of the wolf pack, in the rank and file of the wolf society, a bad tree cannot bear good fruit, nor can a good tree bear bad fruit. You can tell a tree by the fruit that it bears. So when you got a false prophet, not only will the words that he speaks have a mixture of truth and lies in it, because that's how Satan works. But Jesus says a little leaven leavens the whole what? Lump. So when you have a false prophet, look at his works as well. Does he have love? Does he esteem the people more important than himself? Or does he only love you when you're doing what he wants you to do? Amen. Is he only encouraging you? Is he only doing things for you when you're doing just what he wants you to do? That's a wolf. That's a wolf leader right there. That is only when you're doing exactly what they want you to do do they exhibit you or they exhibit a type of love? Because it's not the true agape love, but it's a form of love that's based on happenings. If you do for me, then I do for you. Wolf. Looking at the text, it says also, it says joy. A wolf can, can exhibit some form that looks like joy, but really all it is is happiness. In Bible study, we were talking about how, what's the difference between joy and happiness? 
Mother Dilwood said, she said, the joy of the Lord, the Lord gave it and the world can't take it away. Amen. The joy is not predicated on your happenings, but happiness is. See, a false prophet won't have true joy because his happiness is based on happenings. As long as you do whatever he wants you to do, give what he wants you to give, he's joyful then. But stop doing what he wants you to do. And you'll start to see them canine fangs come out. Amen. Start talking to you crazy. Start mistreating you. Amen. If you don't think that's the case, do a uh, historical study on Jim Jones. His congregation grew so much because he was so charismatic. But when they didn't do what he told them to do, he mistreated them in such bad ways. There were some that were cast out because he wanted some that would do whatever he wanted them to do mindlessly. And you see what the end of that was. At the end of the day, we found a whole lot of folk dead at that infamous place called Georgetown. Amen? So when we look at this, we also realize that a true fuel of the Spirit, a good one, is peace. He'll have peace with God and also peace with man. He won't be so easy to irritate and disturb and his, his mood won't be just all over the place all the time because just a little thing out of order with the way he wants things to be cause him to be irritated. That's not a true prophet. That's a false prophet. And you can see it in the lifestyle. Amen. But also we find that long-suffering is a good fruit. Long-suffering basically means patience in the midst of suffering. A false prophet ain't going to stay around with a whole lot of stuff that's going to give him pain. Because a false prophet is a hireling. He's there for hire. And so if things are not going the way he wants the money's not coming the way he wants it to come, the control and the influence and everything else, at the worst time possible when you need him most, he will pack his bags up and go. Because he doesn't have any long suffering. See, long suffering suffereth long. Long suffering goes to the hospitals when you're sick. Goes to the nursing homes and sees folk who cannot do nothing for you. The false prophet is only concerned with what he can get out of what he's doing. You have to not look at just word, but also deed. And they're really not kind. See, false prophets are good at flowery terms. And they may say, I love you, and they have this... This, this routine of doing it in the public square amongst everybody so that they look good. But during the week behind closed doors, you realize that they are talking to you harshly and, and rudely and you just don't feel the love emanating from them. They put on the show for the big crowd, but when they take it off in the back rooms and in the offices during the week, you find out that they are a totally different person. Amen. False prophets, wolves in sheep's clothing. And they're not faithful. 
Amen. They come for a little while, and if things are not working out well, like I said, they pack their bags and go. As long as you're doing exactly what they want you to do, they'll be with you. But the minute you don't do it the way they want it to do, and they think that now their profitability is no longer there, they're out of there. Wolves in sheep's clothing. And they will leave you, leave you high and dry when you need them most. And so we see that they're also gentle, which goes along with kindness, and they got some self-control. False prophets will mess around there and cuss you out and talk about you when they get angry. They don't seem to have any governor on their mood, on their emotions. They just brash and, and impatient and they're just flying off the handle. They may not do it amongst the public square, but once again, you need to see them during the week. It's behind the closed doors when the lights are out, when all the flash and the glimmer is gone, when you really see who a person really is. Amen. Wolves in sheep's clothing. So today as I come to a close in the final part of this particular exposition, Saints of God, the most important thing I want to get across to you all is to make sure that you evaluate the words that are being said by the prophet in front of you. By the preacher, by the teacher, make sure the things which are being said align with the scriptures. Watch their actions. Watch how they act. Watch how they carry themselves, not just on Sunday morning, but the rest of the week. Are they authentic? Are they real? Amen. But when you realize that you've got a false prophet, it's time to go to the Lord in prayer. Because see, you need somebody more powerful than Satan to deal with your situation. And I'm looking at our text as I come to a close and I, and I see some hope even in the midst of them times. Verse 19 says that Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Therefore, by the fruits, you will know them. I saw what Jesus said in Revelations. He said to the church at Ephesus. He said to that leader, he said, get back to your first love. He said, if you do not get back to your first love, that I will remove the candlestick from your midst. I don't know if that leader was false or not, but I believe the Lord was giving instruction. I believe the Lord was also telling us that when false prophets are in our midst, that God has the power to remove them. The reason why we need to go into prayer, because the prayer of the righteous availeth much. And it's a big thing to remove a false prophet from your midst. So Jesus Christ is letting us know that he is not only king, but he's also 
the good shepherd. He is the one whose rod and staff they comfort us. Who he prepares that table in the midst of our enemies. He is the one who raises up the standard against them. He is the one who dismantles their weapons, who pulls their teeth, even though they're wolves in sheep's clothing. God is not fooled by their masquerading act. He's able to see past their deception. So he can fix what has been broken. He can make crooked places straight. He can exalt valleys and bring mountains low because he is the Lord. I'm so happy today to know that God is looking out for me and for you. And he knows uh, when we're in trouble and when we're okay. And he has the power to uproot and cast into the sea. As he said to the demoniac, he said to those demons, come out of him and go in to those pigs. He can run false prophets and false teachers out of the midst of the congregation so that there can be harmony and peace among his people so that we can keep running the race that has been set before us because the night is far spent and the day is at hand. That we can tell little boys and little girls, we can tell men and women about the good news of Jesus Christ. That we can testify to them of all he has done for us. And that we might have a place where they can come and learn of him. Because God is able to make a place of pasture for his sheep. Am I right about it, saints? And I'm so glad that almost 2,000 years ago that the good shepherds became a sheep for you and for me. That sheep, they put nails in his hands and they put nails in his feet. And on that cross, he hung for you and for me. And he died, didn't he die? He died for the sins of the world so that we wouldn't have to pay a penalty that we couldn't pay. But that's not the end of the story. They took him down off that old rugged cross and they put him in a bar or two. He was in that grave all night Friday. He was in that grave all day Saturday. And he was in that grave all night Saturday night. But it was early, early Sunday morning. He got up with all. those 
come to give hearing to those who were deaf. And I heard after a 40 day layover that he stepped out on a cloud and went back to glory. But one thing's for sure, he's coming back again. He's coming back for you and me. And there we shall be with him in the air. It shall be howdy, howdy, and never goodbye. No more pain, no more suffering, no more misunderstanding, no more lying down and getting up. But we'll be forever in his presence. No more hunger and no more thirst. No more tiredness and no more apathy. No more complacency. It'll all be over. I don't know about you saints, but I'm looking toward that day that I can stick my sword in the sand of time to study war no more. And in that day there shall be peace in the valley for me one day. And I'm so glad, Brother Bond, so glad that he saved my soul and he's made me whole. Ain't it all right, children? Ain't it all right? We shall be changed in the twinkling of an eye. Say yay! Yay! Yes! 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 Hallelujah! Praise his holy name. He's worthy, oh so worthy to be praised. Praise the name of the Lord. And at this time, church. But there may be somebody here today who doesn't know the Lord and the pardon of their sin. But the day you can get to know him right where you are, you don't have to wait another minute, another second, another hour. You can say, Lord Jesus, I want to be saved. I, I, I want you to forgive me of my sins, my disobedience. Lord, and come and live in me. I want you to live in my heart and to give me peace that surpasses all understanding. I want that love that been talked about today. You can get it today. Amen. You can get it today. You can sing that song you were just finna sing. So let
name of the Lord. I want everyone in this building to be able to sing that song and to know in their hearts that their business is fixed with Jesus. And it's going to be a glad morning, not a sad morning. Amen. None came, but there is still plenty of good room. Amen. 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 Well, if all hearts and minds are clear, amen. Amen. Let us stand for our benediction. Amen. Where he leads me, I will for you until this dying and dismal world. Master, as we prepare our hearts to give, Master, we ask once again in the name of Jesus that you bless our offerings, Lord, and bless those who handle it. Lord, that we might do what is in your will and in your way, Master. Lord, we want to be in your will in everything that we do, O oh God, so that you get all the glory and all the praise. These things we ask in the blessed name of Jesus. And Lord, as we leave this place, Lord, Lord, give us that same traveling grace, Master. Take us to our different destination and to our homes, Lord. Continuing to put your loving arms around us and protecting us from all hurt, harm, and danger. These things we ask in the immaculate name of Jesus. And the whole church saying, Amen.